0: News, 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 New York City, the FAQ
1: NYC podcast getting
0: more and more interesting by the minute, <laughs> FAQ, welcome to FAQ NYC, it's Christina Greer and Harry Siegel,
1: hey, it's, uh, it's good to be back, um, hello Alex Lin, hello Adam Kamara, how's everyone's summer been, what summer,
0: it was hot,
2: it was too hot, that's what summer's supposed to be, yeah but I hate it, I'm so happy fall is here, <laughs> it's so much better.
1: There's five good weeks in New York every year, and they're all in the fall and the spring. Oh, I'm okay, the only so person
2: that gains weight that I know in the summertime. All I want to do is eat cake and pie in the summertime.
0: Well, I think that we need to just consistently sing. Autumn in New York, autumn in New York. it always seems so inviting. Um, there's so much going on. I've missed you, Harry Siegel, who I now call. Larry
2: Siegel. <laughs> Larry Siegel, the evil doppelganger of <laughs> Harry Siegel.
1: Just don't call me late for dinner. All right. We're off and running. Um, Aren't it's we?
0: Limping. We're S- limping.
1: September 11th, and uh, we had a noun, a verb, and Rudy Giuliani. Ugh. Please insert
0: my level of disgust whenever I hear the name Rudy Giuliani. So, okay, so this is a solemn occasion today. There's so many families that we're thinking of. um, There's so many New Yorkers we're thinking of and people across the world who were just devastated. I was actually on my way to stats class and then sat in stats class through um, these tragic events just because I did not know what was going on. None of us did. And when I got out of stats, the world had changed, quite literally. And I'm teaching intro to politics this semester, and I have students who were one years old or two years old when 9-11 happened, and then I have quite a few students who weren't yet born. So as we talk about the two wars that we're currently in um, and the amount of money we've spent since and the number of lives, American and abroad, that have been lost, um, they really struggle linking what happened 18 years ago to the reality that they live in today.
2: Of course. The cover of the New York Post today has the children of 9-11. There's a lot of people... Um, that I currently work with all the time that barely remember it. I was 18 years old. Terry and I worked Ground Zero as volunteers for the Red Cross. And it's very interesting to me that a lot of these kids do not understand that the current wars are direct results of some of the rhetoric, some of the fervor, and some of the fear that was happening around 9-11. And some of the lies that occurred as well.
1: Yeah. So... Fact check, we're in one war at the moment, declared, I was working for the Salvation Army. Fuck the Red Cross. We'll have a whole episode on that later. It's mm. a theme I'll return I to. I
2: was working for the Red Cross. You, yep. the Salvation Army. Yep. That's right. That's right.
1: Um, the reason I brought up uh, Rudy Giuliani, who was mayor of 9-11, was that he uh, he put out a tweet uh, marking the occasion, um, which is a 30-second video um, showing patriots. Cops and uh, cops. army soldiers, um, football players, um, with music behind it, and then the police officer standing off against, uh, you know, the, the dark, shadowy forces of decline, presumably Antifa.
0: Our in
2: liberation strife Who more than self their country love
0: more, more than. Well, it's, America, it's equating anti and, with and the, caption the is, but let's God call it anti-fascist. America. These are people who don't want a fascist government. So I don't like the term anti because it's like... These are people who were saying we don't want fascism to
1: erode. Well, the people in his video our. are just uh, – They're actors. But who also, this, who why care did he choose
0: a, a Latino male to be the star? I think that that's also such an interesting image considering he and his party have such an ire and a disdain and a white nationalist hatred towards Latinos in this is, country right now. The, also, the inflation, uh, conflation
2: in the ad between – anti-fascist. I think they do prefer the term anti-fa though, but anti-fascist and basically Ferguson, Eric Garner protests and depicting soldiers and uh, cops, the cop who at the end of the ad whips out his baton as a true patriot as this like sweeping epic music plays behind him and he's about to really get down and defend his flag. I mean... It's like let's in declare
1: America, war in, in America. America. So this right. isn't the I mean, soldier. I mean. This is the American in America who's about to bust and ass, bust of the some heads bad of America. other
0: Americans. But, I mean, it goes back to this larger notion of anyone who critiques or raises questions about our current system is seen as you know a traitor, and especially people of color who are at these protests. And so this is to me, I'm not surprised. This is Rudy Giuliani. You know, everyone's like, "What happened to him? He changed." No, he did not. If you were a black person in New York. During the Dinkins administration and during the Giuliani administration, you know that he is an old school white nationalist racist who likes to stir up racist trouble amongst institutions in this city. We'll wait for the episode when he's the one who's leading the charge against Mayor Dinkins outside of City Hall on, what is it, the, the plaza that is now named for Dinkins. So... I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm saddened because the state of democratic affairs, small D and big D democratic affairs in this country is just rubbish. But here we are. Welcome back from summer. So anyway.
1: Let's keep going through mayors. We'll get up to de Blasio. Remember him? He, he used to be the mayor here.
0: Insert eye roll <laughs> slash me snoring.
1: So, so Mike <laughs> Bloomberg, who spent a, a real fortune on his anti-smoking efforts – and I quit smoking, not for that reason, but I did. And then he called me and was very nice about it. And he says, uh, you'll be happy when, when, you know, your enemies are dead and you're still there. Like, Thank you. Oh.
2: That, that's exactly what sounds like. i paraphrasing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> it, 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 it was heartening. You know, I wrote a column about it. Um, I wrote a column a year later in which I mentioned in a passing parenthetic, I started smoking again. It, Damn you, Donald Trump. <laughs> Didn't write a whole other column about that. But then I, I stayed quit and I, I started vaping a bit because Ugh. it was keeping me from smoking. I know. And now Mayor Mike Bloomberg, who uh, former Mayor Mike Bloomberg, who continues to be concerned with people's health, is spending $160 million to combat vaping, um, which I, it seems to me good and admirable. It's coming after we've had this bunch of weird illnesses and deaths.
2: But also, I mean, these companies used to have like a step-down nicotine system because they thought that they were going to appeal to the person who wants to quit. And then all of a sudden that changed to mango and cherry flavor, no step-down nicotine system, the most nicotine ever. I mean –
1: But the step-down thing, like the gums and all that, their whole business model is if everyone actually quit that way, they would not have a business. It's that people get – You you, You get hooked on the gum. Yeah. You get hooked
0: on the vape. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just also – Listen, I commend Mayor Bloomberg for his efforts with anti-smoking. I commend his efforts, obviously, with anti-gun legislation. I just always get a little chill down my spine when I see billionaires – deciding what is best for larger society. Are you talking about the soda thing? Oh, the soda tax. The soda tax? That commercial is epic when the woman slams the refrigerator and is like, they're trying to take away your soda. But no, (laughs) but I mean I think what he's doing is commendable, but it's also because it's something that I like and something that, you know, I think is a good thing, guns off the street and in the hands of bad people, you know, not getting 14-year-olds addicted to smoking, all those great things. But I just think that billionaires have way too much power over public policy in a way that like the government is clearly abdicating itself in a lot of ways. And billionaires are stepping in to say like, oh, I'd like transportation. And they figure out like these stupid scooters in cities or whatever it may be. So I, I just feel like – to
1: Revel. Advertise on our podcast. Oh,
0: this, yeah, <laughs> you're stupid. I, I, Advertise t- your stupid scooters. I just think they make cities look junky. Like I don't mind the bikes but the scooters are just rubbish. Also – um. I just remember there's, there's
2: this weird stuff about Bloomberg kind of going off from what you're saying. So like there's a strange negotiation and weird closed door bids when he's mayor to get all, Snapple in every single public yeah. school. And then at the same time, New York City does this huge campaign against Fat people, I think, or sugary drinks. This is before Sugar so are you drinks. Talking sugary about the- drinks. But I'm what I'm talking about is that one of the ads is a Snapple bottle, a, a like uh, disguised Snapple bottle that's supposed to remind you of a Snapple bottle but doesn't actually say Snapple, just pouring and bubbling fat out of it. So it was just this strange – when I saw it, I was like, didn't you just kind of like low-key gift Snapple all of right. the Department of Education – so, like, what Contracts the, well, and like, now what's happening right now? Right. Like, this is, for me, this hypocrisy of the billionaire deciding or
0: the altruistic billionaire. Yeah, I just think that we're moving in that direction. And it really troubles me that, you know, billionaires come up with ideas in the middle of the night based on either their own little pet projects or they had a conversation with one person one time. And then they decide to flood the market with lots of money on, on a particular issue but sometimes it's not really for the best. Um so transition. Speaking
1: of frustrated. <laughs> uh, Bill de Blasio um was was the uh the mayor here. He was not great. Um I
0: love past tense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now now he's he's vacationing uh slash running for president. Um somewhere or other, um he should come back on this podcast and discuss it.
0: Well, we should just go to New Hampshire, I guess. We'll have a better chance of seeing him. Or hang outside the Fox News studios. Oh, the sadness. The sadness of it all.
1: What's gonna, what's he going to be doing over the next two years and change that he's here? We know he just brought in a new senior advisor for strategic planning, um, Allison Hirsch, who had been at a 32 BGA SEIU and like a longtime labor ally. We know he finally opened, um, weeks after he said he would and without real explanation, this Office for the Prevention of Hate Crimes, um, which is going to be run by uh, Deborah Lundner. Um So I think that problem we can just scratch off the list.
0: I keep getting this question from a lot of journalists and they're like, what do you think he's going to do? And my heart of hearts, what you know, I always tell my students like, be clear on what you want to happen versus what you think will happen. You know, use your political instincts. Like, just because you want a particular outcome doesn't mean that that's the outcome, you know, once you look at all the facts. So what I want to happen is for him to realize that this is a pipe dream. Nobody's interested. You're not going to have your viral moment. It's over. Stop wasting money and come back home. And Realize you have two full years. I told you someone corrected me on Twitter when I said he had senioritis. And they're like, he's a sophomore. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. He's not actually in his last year of the mayoralty. And so what I hope happens is that he comes home, he realizes that he doesn't want his legacy just to be, to be pre-K and then leaning on the line of legality and then ditching the city and not doing his work. So he doubles down and works super hard for the next two years. Now, doing what? Well, I don't know because we didn't put his feet to the fire when he ran for re-election to actually ask him what he wanted to do for his second term.
1: That was sort of incredible. We literally have no idea what he wanted to yeah. do for his second term.
0: I mean he ran on the past and it was enough. But I think what will happen is that, you know, come back and it's just sort of, you know, I call it moving boxes where you just sort of, you know, you're pushing paperwork and like, oh, there are a lot of things that I want to do. And you give lofty speeches when you feel like it and you swing by the office and before you know it, we won't be speaking about him because we'll be looking at the 10 people running for mayor. Um, is it only 10? It's only 10. <laughs> for right now, we'll have like eight debate stages over 14 nights. Poor Errol Lewis and Brian Lair are going to be moderating debates. Like, <laughs> this is the 12th night of debates. <laughs> but I think, you know, a lot of people are realizing, you know, in this era, it's like, oh, well, if he can do it and, you know, listen, I'm not knocking him for taking naps, I take naps. But, like, if he can do it in sort of, you know, show up and swing by and basically have office hours once a month. Why not me? And I think we'll see a lot of people looking for a new job. Is
1: DeBlazio a napper? I know he's a late riser. Oh, no, he's a napper.
0: Like, and there was a whole series of stories where people were talking trash about him napping in the office. And I was like, listen, I nap. Like, I think there is nothing wrong with a power nap. A good 10 to 30 minutes. As long as it's a power nap. Then you got to get up and (laughs) be like, I'm ready. Anything over 30 minutes in the middle of the day is called sleep. Right. Um, I do sometimes, like if I don't have on the weekends, if I don't have anything pressing, I play this little game called nap roulette where it's like if you take a nap and you don't set your alarm clock, you can either sleep for 20 minutes or four hours.
1: You don't know. I drink coffee before I nap and then I'm like, let's see if I nap or I did when I drank coffee. I just quit. Um, about two months ago. It's been great. I'm drinking tea. I love it. Are you pregnant? uh, No, this goes to (laughs) Harry Harry (laughs) has this theory of uh, caffeine-fueled hypersleep that is more restful than ordinary It gives you night terrors. It's fucking fantastic.
0: I'm drinking green or peppermint tea today, I guess, in solidarity. Larry, Harry, I did not know that you had given up
1: coffee. I feel like we need to talk
0: about this. My acupuncturist was like, you drink coffee? And I was like, oh, okay. And he's just in my throat and he's
1: I went from like 12, 12 coffees to like two teas oh, and it okay. made well, no difference. Coffee,
0: that's a little over the top.
1: I, I might Harry. be exaggerating. So 11 coffees uh, to Wait, two teas. Wait, anything
0: over two I think is a little too much. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that's right. All of a sudden I'm an MD
0: doctor. Okay.
1: I'd like to we, read something. <laughs> you
0: like to read a <laughs> passage. <laughs> oh, actually, I was like, get
2: back to the list and Harry's like, I'm going to read a poem. <laughs> right. Or oh, is this <laughs> It's
1: so, so this is from uh, 1966. Uh, behind Closed Doors, Politics and the Public Interest by Edward Kostikian, who was the last boss of Tammany Hall, the last sachem, uh, and a guy I got to know a bit later in his life. Um, 1966. <clears throat> in New York City, every political party, including the Democratic Party, seeks to hold itself up as the party of purity. Since the other parties are rarely in power, they rarely have the opportunity to demonstrate either purity or lack of it. But they are free to talk purity. And They do. Except in a fusion year, none of the other parties, at this point the Republican, Liberal, and Conservative parties, uh, is a serious factor in the sense that none seriously seeks to obtain and exercise political power for and by itself. This axiom in New York City politics is no reflection upon the leadership of the other parties, for that leadership is as skilled in the arts of politics as the Democratic leadership, and therefore is realistic enough to accept the fact that all the parties, other than the Democratic Party, are minority parties. And act accordingly. And I wanted to read that for two reasons. Number one, because 34 plus 19, 53 years later, that's, uh, that's exactly the case. And it's why Bill de Blasio, as an incumbent Democrat, can one, run for and easily win a second term without mm-hmm. so much as offering a mm-hmm. vision, an agenda, or a platform in any serious way.
2: It's the mm-hmm. machine.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, Ed, Ed Kostikian was the machine. Um, and, and goes on in sort of beautiful poetic machine. way about the fact that the machine is not even a machine and that this is just a healthier system of government. Don't totally agree, but it's fun.
2: Is this an honest graft, dishonest graft?
1: Or? No, and he says when he started being a a, a, a Tammany functionary – But like the first thing he did was read Plunkett. He's like, I needed advice on how to do this. And he's like, I found this ridiculous.
2: First episode of Bracket, which is coming soon, I start with a quote, you know, honest graft and dishonest graft, which is outlined very interestingly. If while working for the public good, you also can line your pockets a little bit, that's okay. That's honest graft. Hmm. I guess I think. A couple people in gov- a city government
0: would make that argument right now. If well, I you- think a lot of people in Albany <laughs> tried to make that argument, and guess where they are? Jail. They're <laughs> also <known laughs> oh, as no, prison. They're, or their aides <laughs> are in
2: prison. Um, right. But uh, but the uh, dishonest graft is when you don't help out the public and, and you, you just only line your pockets, even to the detriment of the public. So,
1: so so this is this is always a very fine line. Um, Andrew <laughs> Cuomo, noted reformer which is part of why I wanted to read this, um, has this commission that's going to make recommendations about how to create campaign finance laws in New York. And the law in New York right now is like finance your campaign, collect you mm-hmm. know $50,000 checks from LLC. Chase right. Pretty much anything Do goes right. for the state law. Um, and so he has this commission and its recommendations become law unless the legislature acts otherwise, right, which is a big thing in Albany now because they're cowards. Um, that's also how they got themselves a pay raise. Is that a commission Give them a pay raise and it came with conditions. And then they found, got a judge to be like, these conditions are not constitutional. But constitutional the being the New York Constitution, which no one has ever read. It makes no fucking sense. Um, really. We should like, have an entire analysis gambling, gambling. We have casinos. I it, think
0: Morgan Peckman's read the Constitution,
1: New York City Constitution. Yep, no, uh, there are a handful of dedicated <laughs> nerds. Hey, Morgan. Who, 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 hey, Morgan. Who go through this. But on the face of it, the document does not make sense. Um, it is not like the U.S. Constitution where there's some some logic and structure and set of aspirations mm-hmm. you can trace. And we, we can talk about that at another point. I but think. anyways, the deal is he's like we will have all these reforms that all you reformers and uh, nerds and, and like liberal democrats want. But you have to vote on the whole package of recommendations and those also look like they're likely to include the death of fusion voting, which in New York has been a big thing for yeah. a long time. The Liberal Party is dead. Rudy Giuliani um, – and others helped kill it as after it became conservative. But the Working Families Party is very important. Um, Are they, though? That, 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 is, that is the question. Definitely if you ask <laughs> them. Um,
0: I mean, after that little stunt in 2010 and then 2014, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this year, well, uh,
2: they were th- – some might say they were responsible w- via Zephyr Teachout for pushing Cuomo to the left, although he didn't make good on a lot of that promise no um a bait and switch, which there's a Jumani williams way. was working party in this Tish election James right? was
1: the one person elected to the city council just on the working families party line like generally they're meant but that was
0: but that was working families party before 2014 mm-hmm. i sort of see the working families party there's pre-2014 wfp and then for me there's post-2014 wfp and the pre-2014 wfp Got Tish in office, and now we see where Tish is as the AG. You know, they work with Jumani. I mean, I always go after Jumani because he's a Bernie supporter, and the only people who call me the N-word are Bernie supporters and Trump supporters. I love there Bernie. There you go. Tough I
2: shit. love Bernie. <laughs> I've never I've never done well, that. Well, talk
0: to his people because they love N-word, B-word. So I Alex, find them to be the most horrid people ever. Set them straight. I will. I will talk to
2: all he's the Bernie supporters. He's giving them some sort of dog
0: whistle. That says I, I
2: don't know if he As is.
0: any single black person who talks in the media, in print or television, and they will tell you that the worst supporters of any Democrat are Bernie supporters. Of any Democrat. The most racist supporters are Bernie supporters. The only people who— Last, what, two weeks ago, it was like, drop dead, you Uncle Tom. I literally just said right, you did Bernie's not getting but like, a lot of traction in one particular rally. AOC,
2: Biagi, all the city Bernie supporters literally changed your out- your congressional, at least, congressional face
0: of what a typical Bernie supporter was. Hey, but guess what? Typical Bernie supporters, when it comes to Bernie Sanders, love throwing around the N-word to any black person that does not say, I'm a loyal, devout Believer of Bernie Sanders, so he needs to check that because if those are your supporters, something you're saying to them or something in their spirit is moved by a very MAGA esque vision of educated black people talking about politics.
2: The drain, the swamp, the, the same people out to get me, it. as
0: far as I'm concerned. So that's another episode. That's another episode. We'll get into the Bernie disgusted by them, the so, debate. Yeah. So WFP, they did a lot of good things. Pre-2014, but I'm just sort of curious. It's like, all right, well, you know, after the Zephyr-Cuomo race, and they went with Cuomo... Which we all knew Cuomo was going to play them like a fiddle because Cuomo knows Albany better than anyone on the planet. Quick recap. raising ca- captivity is that what you call <laughs> raising yeah. captivity like a cute little
1: panda, <laughs> like
0: A cute, cute little panda that. in like a
1: starched I, I, collar. Like a listeners, car, listeners, right? listeners, but he we knows need Queens and Albany better Cuomo than anyone. Cuomo panda meme, please.
2: <laughs> Cuomo cute panda meme. Panda. Cute Cuomo panda. Can we have a starched collar and a muscle car?
1: Yeah, or maybe a motorcycle. So A pinky ring In 2014, <coughs> Zephyr Teachout like professor who and um shout out to Fordham. Yep. Runs against uh Andrew Cuomo because Democrats, the left is very upset with Cuomo, but there's everyone's also very afraid of Cuomo. And she does much much better than advertised. Um the primary keeps going. Cuomo, you know, wins but is hurt by this. The WFP has to decide if they're going to run Zephyr as their own candidate in the general election. where they need to collect 50,000 votes to keep their ballot space or if they're going to endorse Cuomo? Cuomo delivers this hostage video where he swears he's going to do all of the reforms Oof. and they endorse Cuomo.
2: Larry was talking through clenched teeth, by the way.
1: Um, <laughs> Cuomo, it literally Cuomo looked
0: like it was taken in someone's basement in Queens.
1: Retracts, you know, th- like doesn't live up to these promises, and and swears himself to. You can't say Omerta um, for for reasons involving the Cuomo family and Italian American politics, but he does <laughs> vow to destroy them.
2: <laughs> you can't say Fredo, right?
1: The, the, no, I, you, I, 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 I'm. I, my sympathy for, for sort of for Chris Cuomo there until my sympathy goes away. But leaving that aside, um, the result is he's he's vowed to destroy them. And then later he creates a women's empowerment party. Ugh,
0: insert eye roll,
1: please. What comes right before WFP in the alphabet? Uh, WEP. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was like, wait, I don't oh, I was
0: like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Oh, wait, that, that was Christine Quinn, right? Yeah. Yep. Girl,
1: Yep. Why? Um so he he does this hostage video, he creates the, the, this work this women's empowerment party and he, he wants the uh WFP dead. And I, I think they have some some use. Chrissy is dubious since twenty fourteen. So but now this, this bundle would kill, of
2: bills would kill essentially
1: potentially if if it works this way that they have to take all the recommendations, the other ones are good. You can't take more than, say, you know, $5,000 from, from an entity and this includes LLCs and so forth, right? Um, you can have that but you have to kill all these parties, which are a very long time uh, part of, of the New York political landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, Bloomberg had his own fun with them. He had the Independence Party, which was run by uh, cultists Fred Newman and Lenora Fulani in New York oh, City. You
0: remember and Lenora Filani ran for mm presidency?
1: Mm-hmm. And then didn't she end up on a ticket with Pat Buchanan?
0: Yeah, at some point.
1: Yeah. That that the uh, you know is
2: that when he ran those weird ads about like old grandmas falling down and not being able to get in touch with nine one one because everyone spoke Spanish?
0: Oh, I thought that was a Life Alert commercial. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, but it, it was repurposed. <laughs> I told in and I can't get
1: up. Life Alert um, sponsored this podcast, <laughs> right?
0: Hey, listen, we're into it. Snapple, we hear you. <laughs> we don't think you're fat, Snapple. <laughs> Hey, listen, that little peach snapple used to be the jam back in the day when I worked at TGI Fridays as an SPG. That would be a smiling people greeter, a.k.a. (laughs) a hostess.
1: Did you have flair?
0: No, I did not wear flair. I just wore, like, whatever 16-year-old girls in the 90s wear. Um, But I quit, just as a side note, because we would give the Bears players free food They'd come after their practice and just order, like, hundreds of apps. And we'd give it to them for free just to keep them coming back So we didn't want them to go to Chili's. And we would make mothers and, like, single moms with, like, a gaggle of children pay for their meals. And I was like, I don't understand why we're doing this. These guys have money and regular families. Like, if we're going to give discounts, let's give discounts to families. And the manager was like, no, we need the Bears players here. So All I, free like, swag goes to rich people. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I worked at Tower Records on Broadway and – that's where they
0: sold
2: CDs, records. compact discs.
1: So we had all of these jazz musicians who I'm not going to name who would come in and buy their own albums, so they could like autograph them and eat. And I'm talking like fantastic musicians and like like people you know, and like we would just sell them to them, obviously at like employee discounts and like whatever else we could take off. So you know if so and so was buying their album, it was like four dollars instead of fourteen, and like wow. eat. Anyways, the manager there was a mildly ambitious jazz musician of some talent and a real piece of work. Um, and then one of the clerks was a up-and-coming jazz musician who was starting to have some real success and the manager would just punish and torment this guy and would lose his albums so, so that they would not be displayed in the store, Ooh, make him work wow. horrible shifts Ooh. It, it was got
2: raw a like that a in the jazz world <laughs> it was over like a Tower, Tower Records, Records in the 90s. Wait, did you work at the one at Union Square?
1: No, this is the one on uh, Broadway right south of 8th. Like um, West
2: 4th Yeah. Uh-huh. Or I guess that's East 4th and then,
1: And then we did the inventory day where they closed the store for three days and you laser scan everything in the store uh-huh. so that they know how much has been stolen over the year. <laughs> and <laughs> every single Abby. person I'm talking to is like, this is my last year. I'm like, how long have you been here? Like 17 years.
2: So – I love the walk down memory lane, but what's going on with the plan to shut down the jails and how shitty the trains are? Here you go.
1: in <laughs> next week. Okay. <laughs> the trains are shitty. The uh, jail plan is getting extremely politicized in the absence of the mayor. Um, you're having the, the, these very nominal meetings that they just want to be like we had the public meeting and we're done to work out the contours of these uh, borough jails except for Staten Island for some reason that would replace Rikers and how many people they should hold. The only people showing up at these meetings are abolitionists who are just screaming over everyone there like no new jails and and you are fascists um, and that very strange set of politics happening at the same time that – in my view, the stop clock quality of life people as I'm walking through the village to record this, right, and I'm passing a guy like knotted out on his couch that he's left outside in the middle of the street who's napping there right, um, are, are starting to uh, – uh, the stop clock people are starting to have an actual moment. Um, are and these I'm like very the curious. NIMBYs?
2: Not in my backyard sees?
1: Well, 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 not on my sidewalk ease, I think. Yeah. Right. I'm not sure. N- num- no I yeah. well, I I mean, think, but i
0: think the the key point that we will revisit is that so much is still going on with the absence of the mayor but it seems as though we're having meetings we're pushing paper we're sort of going through the motions of work but there's so many issues that we can't tie up because the mayor's not there at the table yep. talking to the stakeholders I'm sure he checks in with his commissioners, but anyone who's been on vacation or worked remotely whilst away from the office, yeah, you're technically doing work, but you're not finishing projects and things that come up, you might be putting out fires, but it's not a sustained work
1: ethic. What the PBA and the SBA have a point about, and they're <sighs> ruining it with their, with their absolutely crazy, bad old days, fear city, um, and often racist rhetoric. Um, what the police unions keep saying is things are worse than you think and it's because we're not supposed to engage with people. And I think that the thing that Rudy and Mike did when they just rousted people from all of these places and like get the fuck out of here and you end up You remember the prison. one-way
0: ticket to Jersey? Yeah,
1: yes. I, and all, let's all that also stuff, not
2: mention there's a convoluted shelter system.
1: In, in, in place of all this, um, you know, there's now just a – pretty clear protocol to just not engage with street people most of the time in most of the places until something ends up on the cover of the post, right? And if that is supplemented with housing and supportive services and mental health and addiction help, which is expensive, that's a really honorable and decent thing to do. But the everyone should ignore this and most of the people who are out in the streets in trouble and sometimes scary are not actually dangerous approach is begging at the moment for a backlash and it's yeah. creating a perception that, that, that the reality that the official city and the, the mm-hmm. city hall and the NYPD are talking about and what people are experiencing are diverging in ways that I think are going to play out in some really interesting ways in this mayoral election and with this absentee mayor. Well, be, is it,
2: are the contract negotiations close as well for the police union?
1: I believe for the PBA but not the SBA but, but – uh,
2: I mean, everything's a factor
0: in the way people spin everything.
1: Well, I think it's also,
0: you know, know, the mayor's debate, it'll be whether or not we're going to have boogeyman candidates, which is like the city is getting so scary like the old days, you know, to try and pull out certain white Upper East Side, Upper West Side voters and sort of creating this vision of, you know, we don't want to go back to old New York. That's why we have to do X, Y, and Z versus people who are saying, well, the mayor was gone, but, you know, stop and frisk worked. And so I'm curious to see, especially with the different backgrounds of the particular candidates and the different boroughs of the particular candidates, how they'll frame the next two years and sort of what has happened since our dear mayor has departed us.
1: Which is the exciting thing about this election is people are going to offer full agendas and competing visions for the city where yeah. it is and where it should be going and it has now been well, 6 years Well you remember
0: 2013. Yeah. That was exciting. It was electric. Ooh, electric. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I'm I'm very excited especially because we have some city council members who will have to really articulate a vision of, you know, their their neighborhoods with rapidly changing neighborhoods and gentrification and people getting pushed out and public housing and real needs. And we might be in the middle of a recession. And so how will that affect New Yorkers in one of the most expensive cities in the world? In short, FAQ is going to get really lit. We've missed you, (sighs) listeners. We have missed you, (laughs) listeners. Um, So much has happened. Grace is leaving New York One. Hey, Grace. Bye, Grace. Bye. Um, But you're staying in New York, so that's great. Um, you know, it's just a lot was lots popping off.
1: This is Grace Rao of some other podcast, but also is for real city hall reporter at New York one. And uh, the person responsible for exposing uh, Mayor de Blasio's communications with his quote unquote agents of the city. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's
0: good stuff.
2: And then for another episode, I still have questions about what's going on with uh, with the de Blasio lawyer.
0: Chow. no comment. F- FAQ. A-Q.
1: FAQ NYC is supported by a grant from Civil, Civil Media. a blockchain company working to reinvent the economics of journalism. journalism. We're hosted at the McSilver Institute for Poverty, Policy, and Research. Special thanks to Adam Kamara for Wackety wackety this week's episode.
2: Wackety
1: Um Handsome Harry the Hipster. Handsome Harry the Larry Hipster.
2: Larry Siegel. And Larry Siegel, we love you.
1: <laughs> Christina Greer, yeah. Alex Brooklyn. Uh, until next time. Oh, we don't get any sort of special accolades no. again. Yeah, okay. okay. Christina
0: Greer. Thank
2: you.
1: Professor Christina Greer.
0: Professor. <laughs> Limping across the finish line
1: of the semester, week two. (laughs) Fashion show executive producer Alex Brooklyn.
0: That's true. I'm
2: executive producing a special fancy fashion show today. (laughs) It's a kid's super fashion show for this company, Wallplay, that puts artists into empty storefronts like all around the city, on Canal Street, and now they're doing it at 25 Kent in Williamsburg. So this particular artist created kind of a postmodern representation of the factory, but each sewist is represented as like an artisan. So people like come in, they look at some art, they can pick little scraps of fabric from a giant sculpture, then they can have a custom thing done. So it, it kind of promotes reuse, recycle. Uh, fashion industry is second largest pollutant in the world, and uh, so this is kind of like promoting sustainability. Anna Wintour was just going on and on about sustainability. I mean, it's about 15 years too late, but, you know, it's fun. Thank you. If, you,
1: if you're if you listening to this podcast, it's already too late, but uh, all the cool kids were there. Yeah. And we'll see you uh, next week. Uh, remember, um, something or other about knowing things, the fact.
0: Bow, bow. And if you don't know, now you know.